0: that stuff. Wow. I was totally unprepared for that. Hey. hey. Whoo! Y- yeah, right? Happy Easter to you. If you are uh, in the room, it was good to pump and wave and, and do that weird hug thing that Rick was so concerned about. <laughs> Look for him afterwards and give him a big, big yeah. hug. It will freak him out. If you're online, it's great uh, to be with you this morning. You know, we're all uh, wishing each other a happy Easter, which is lovely, but here's the thing the thing that makes Easter happy is Christ is risen. Christ is risen. And so back in the uh, in the old days, you know, people would say he is risen indeed, but we don't usually say indeed these days. So what I want us to do is I'm going to say Christ is risen and I want you to respond yes, he is risen. All right? Ready to try- and if you're online, I want you to do the same. If you're by yourself, say it out loud. If you're with a group of people, say it out loud. If you're in a restaurant, you shouldn't be in a restaurant. But anyway, if you're in a restaurant, say it out loud. Ready? Christ is risen. Yes. yes. He is risen. Christ is risen. Yes. Ah, Christ is alive, friends, and that's what makes for a happy Easter. So the resurrection raises two fundamental questions, right? The first question that it raises is: is it true? Did Christ really rise from the dead and I don't want to spend time on that this morning other than a little bit I want to just say a couple of things about that for those of you for whom that is your question, did it really happen? Is Christ was Christ truly resurrected? Is he resurrected? I want you to know that there is significant and powerful empirical evidence that points to the resurrection of Christ. And I also want you to know that that's not a new question. That they were asking that same question 2000 years ago was He really resurrected. And the early church wanted people to know the truth, the reality of that. And so the Apostle Paul, in writing a letter to the church in Corinth, addressed that in what scholars now believe was kind of a creedal statement. In other words, something that was said often by that first church. And this probably went all the way back to within a couple of years of the actual event. And so Paul writes to the church in Corinth and this is is what he said. It's from 1 Corinthians chapter 15 verses 3 through 8. Listen to this. I pass on to you what was most important and what had also been passed on to me. Christ died for our sins just as the scripture said. He was buried and was raised from the dead on the third day, just as the scripture said. He was seen by Peter, then the twelve. After that, he was seen by more than 500 of his followers at the same time, most of whom are still living, though some have died. When he, then he was seen by James, and later by all the apostles. Last of all, as though I had been born at the wrong time, I also saw him." What we know is that those experiences transformed people's lives. Right? Deniers became believers. Cowards became courageous, enemies became disciples, and that large group of eyewitnesses went out into villages and towns and cities around the known world, proclaiming Christ is risen, and they transformed the world. So if you're here this morning and your question is, did it really happen? I want to say that's a good question, it's a fair question, it's the right question to ask, but don't just leave it as a question and assume that there is no answer. There is strong evidence to point to that fact. In fact, I would encourage you, there's a book uh, that came out a number of years ago, it's called The Case for Christ by Lee Strobel. If you've never heard of the book, I would recommend it to you. It's a fairly easy read. Lee Strobel was a uh, legal reporter for the uh, Chicago Tribune. He was an atheist. His wife became a Christian. He wanted to disprove Christianity to get her out of church. It was wrecking his Sundays. (laughs) So he began this investigation over a couple of years, and as a result, he became a follower of Jesus and wrote this book. And so if that's your question, friends, I want you to take on that assignment and, and read that for yourself. love to talk to you about it. Here's the second question. Here's the one I really want to talk about because I wasn't talking about the first one, remember? Here's the second question, though. So what? So what? So what difference does it make to us today that 2,000 years ago, Jesus rose From the dead. You see, here at Hope Church, we care about the so what. The question of what difference does it make. In fact, I remember years ago, we did a series where I don't even remember what the series was about, but what we said was after we read the scripture, you know, in churches, oftentimes after you read the scripture, the congregation responds, This is the word of the Lord, or something like that. We said, After the scripture, we want you to say, So what. And so the congregation, after we'd read the scripture, would say, so what? And then we went and did the series. Well, right after we finished that series, um, our bishop came to preach. (laughs) And I forgot (laughs) that when you read the scripture, the congregation is going to say, so what? So the bishop got up and he read the scripture, and 300 people went, so what? And man, did I get a look. (laughs) We care about the so what. What difference does it make that 2,000 years ago, Jesus rose from the dead? And here's the answer. New life. New life. A resurrected life is a new life. So what does that mean? A new life. Think of it like like a vaccine. Okay. So a few weeks ago I got a vaccine a vac I got vaccinated against shingles. Now most of us in our bodies carry around a uh, a shingles virus that's inactive. It's just kind of laying around there. But when it gets activated, it creates this this response in our bodies that that is this ugly and horrifically painful rash? my dad got it years ago, and it covered the side of his face, his eye, his ear. it was awful, and the pain of that lasted for months and months, and I want no part of that, so I got this shingles vaccination all right now. You guys know how a vaccine works, right? A vaccine enters into the body and it teaches the immune system how to recognize and neutralize a virus. All of us carry within ourselves a spiritual virus that the Bible calls sin. And sin causes all kinds of havoc within our lives, all right? It's very real, the impact of sin in our lives. It does damage to our self-image, the way we think about ourselves. It does damage through us in the relationships with other people that we're involved with, people that we care about, people that we love, people that we know, strangers it can impact all of those kinds of relationships in negative types of ways, and ultimately, it does damage to our relationship with God. And even when we recognize it, even when we know these things in our lives that are sin, that do damage to our self-image, do damage to the ways that we relate to others, do damage to our relationship. Even though we know that and we've seen it and we've tried to stop it, year after year after year, we're powerless to do it. The good things we want to do, we don't do. The bad things we don't want to do, those are the things we do. Paul talked about that in Romans chapter 7. Jesus and his resurrection are like a spiritual vaccine. When you accept Christ into your life, that resurrected spirit, that spirit of Christ, enters in and begins to identify and attack the sin virus in us. And the result of that is that we overcome spiritual deadness and the Spirit of God begins to transform us into healthier, relationally healthier, spiritually healthier people. Here's how the Apostle Paul described this in Romans chapter 8, verse 11. This is what Paul wrote. The Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you, right, like that vaccine. And just as God raised Christ from the dead, he will give life to your mortal bodies by the same spirit living within you. That spirit of Christ gives us new life, this new resurrected life. So what? So what does that mean? It means that all of the sin in your life, sins of your past, sins of your present, any sin that you may commit in the future is forgiven by Christ, and we are no longer living bound by those sins. And friends, here's the next part of that. It doesn't end there. As if that weren't good enough, right? This new life is a doorway into an abundant life, what Jesus Christ called an abundant life. In John chapter 10, 10, Jesus said, I have come that you might have life and have it abundantly. I have come that you might have life and have it abundantly. So what does that look like? What is an abundant life? life look like? Well, I think it looks different in each of our lives, right? When you are following Christ, your life is richer, fuller, more meaningful, more purpose-filled than it was prior or would have been apart from Christ. That's the promise that we have. As we accept Christ and as we seek to follow him, he gives us not just a new life, but this abundance of life. And it looks different in your life than it looks in my life. It looks different just as each of us is different. But again, you know, since we're talking, I'm talking a lot about the Apostle Paul this morning. I was thinking about his life and what did it mean? What was this abundant life for him? And what Paul got to experience was a life of adventure as he accepted Christ, brought this resurrected spirit into his life. Man, he just lived a life of adventure. He got to travel all over the world. He got to meet people he never would have met. Meeted, Met. met. <laughs> <laughs> he got to experience deep friendships. He was instrumental in establishing the church on this planet that impacted the lives of thousands and tens and hundreds of thousands in his lifetime and countless billions of people over the last 2,000 years. It was a life of significance. It also meant that he experienced dangers and conflict and imprisonment because the promise of an abundant life is not the promise of an easy life. It's not the promise of a painless life. It's the promise of an abundant life. He had been rich at one point, and he had become poor. And he said in the midst of all of this, this adventure-filled life, I have learned to be content. Content. He had this whirlwind of a life. And he learned contentment. He described his life and the life of a Christ follower. He said, you know, sometimes it's like a world-class athlete. Sometimes it's like a devoted soldier. Sometimes it's like a wise and patient farmer. That's what this new life is about. This abundant life. And what kept him motivated? What kept him inspired? What kept him going? He described it. In Philippians chapter 3, verses 10 and 11. Again, listen to what Paul wrote. I want to know Christ and experience, experience, not just knowledge, but I want to experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. I want to suffer with him sharing in his death so that one way or another I will experience and he's using that word again right he wants to experience something he wants to have a a experience of again not just knowledge not just information but he wants to have an experience do you want to have an experience of this abundant life I could hear the people online more than I just <laughs> What? What is this experience? What is it that animates this man? What gives him the strength to go through all that he went through, the determination? How did he find contentment in the midst of a lot of chaos? and peace and joy how did he live this at this level of a world class athlete or a committed soldier this is how he finished that statement i will experience the resurrection from the dead i've experienced the life-changing power of Christ, and I want to experience the resurrection from the dead. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead lived in Paul. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. The power of the resurrection lives in you. And just as Jesus was raised from the dead, so too will all who follow Him. That's the promise. We have a new life, we have an abundant life, and we have the promise of an eternal life. Because a truly abundant life means that we no longer are motivated by things like greed and fear and selfishness. We are motivated by the knowledge That the life that we live, the life that you live, is an eternal life. Just as Christ was raised from the dead, so too will you be raised from the dead. That resurrection is for you. Friends, Christ is risen. See, you forgot. Yes, he is risen. Ready? Christ is risen. Yes, he is risen. Christ is risen. And you have the power of that resurrection living in you. That is why it's a happy Easter.